this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the in focus podcast my name is jayan sriram and i'm your host for today as promised when we did our preview episode on thursday we are back with analysis from the first ever leadership summit of the quad grouping of countries that's between india australia japan and the united states so i'm not going to say too much by way of introduction we link to the hindu story outlining the major takeaways from the meeting along with this podcast in case you haven't already read it and we'll go straight into analysis i'm joined by sohasni haider the hindu's diplomatic affairs editor and anand krishnan the hindu's china correspondent so asni welcome to the podcast um let's just start by sort of going over the outcomes from the discussion from the from the leadership summit um let's just wrap up the major outcomes and um, perhaps you can tell us were there long expected lines were there any surprises well when it is the first summit uh, of anything and this was the quad of uh, uh, the us india australia japan coming together at the summit level for the very first time remember this is despite the fact that the quad originally started way back in 2005 and then there were some uh, meetings in 2007 so since then there's never been a meeting of all the leadership when you have that kind of situation obviously it is all uncharted territory in a sense um but it is along the lines that had been spoken about uh before the summit and remember we had a conversation just the day before where we had discussed that vaccines uh, cooperation on climate change cooperation on technology uh, some plans of, apparently in the works for other kinds of cooperation in the region when it comes to uh, supply chain resilience or alternative supply chain building Uh, as well as rare earth uh, minerals and and trying to cooperate on sourcing those uh, these are all some of the things that were discussed during the summit uh, as outcome so we have actually for a summit a fairly productive uh, uh, series of statements there was one statement called the quad leaders joint statement which is called the spirit of the quad uh, which essentially is a series of principles they hope to abide by the uh, going by asean the uh, association of southeast asian countries as a kind of linchpin to the indo pacific strategy talking about common goals in the region obviously speaking about the importance of keeping the indo pacific lanes free and open um and, and essentially talking about the various uh, steps forward in in the quad uh, they're also talking about an in person summit between the leaders of course all four leaders will be attending the G7 summit uh, in the UK in June this year uh, because India as well as uh, Australia and and South Korea are, are special invitees to the UK's hosting of the G7 so Mr Biden will be there as well Mr Morrison uh, Mr um, uh, Mr Modi and uh, uh, Prime Minister Suga will be there as well from Japan um so those were some of the things that were put out in the joint statement also concerns as we had discussed about Myanmar uh, there was a, a, apart from that a fact sheet that was uh, put out on 
the actual concrete outcomes. And in those, uh, we had the vaccine partnership between all of them. Now, this is a very ambitious vaccine partnership that would essentially see Indian manufacturing, uh, American expertise in technology, uh, the uh, the financing from Japan, as well as the distribution networks from Australia coming together uh, to try and produce at least 1 billion COVID-19 vaccines by the end of the year. And those would be produced for distribution in the Southeast Asian region, in the Indo-Pacific, particularly to the poorer countries. Uh, we're still trying to figure out the, the actual financing of it and how long all of this will take. Uh, it is supposed to happen in conjunction with an uh, already identified laboratory in uh, in Hyderabad called Biological E. Um, uh, they also spoke about other uh, areas of uh, close partnership. It's called the Quad Climate Working Group, which is on climate change and sticking to the principles of the Paris Agreement. And another one on what is called Quad Critical and Emerging Technology Working Group. Uh, which will essentially look at critical technologies and how to ensure that those don't come under uh, uh, any kind of threat. Uh, uh, biotechnology as well is a part of this. Uh, looking at technology supply chains is also uh, a part of that. Uh, so quite a lot of substance, gents, from the summit, as well as uh, a lot of atmospherics. The four leaders came together. They began by making uh, a short brief opening comments, but all of them were full of uh, a lot of cheer. Each one of them called the summit historic. Prime Minister Modi said uh, the Quad, as of now, is uh, it has come of age. Uh, and uh, we heard similar remarks from the other leaders as well. So uh, it, it does seem to have gone according to the plan. And, and perhaps what would have surprised everyone is the kind of depth of the uh, of the substantive part of the summit that seems to have come out as well. And Anant, if I can put that same question to you, um, in terms of the outcomes from the meeting, was there anything that surprised you or was it along expected lines? I think that uh, for me, Giant, as well, I would flag the economic outcomes, the non-security outcomes, as you will, as something that was perhaps the biggest surprise, even if in our previous episode, we were expecting it. But I think that a few months ago, or at least when you had the change in administration in Washington, there were many people who were already, I think, without much grounds questioning how much the Biden administration would be committed uh, to continuing what some of the, the good things the Trump administration did as far as security in the Indo-Pacific. I think that this summit for me for one, really answered all of those questions that uh, the Biden administration is very much, I think, on the same page as the Trump administration was when it comes to bringing countries together as a response to China's actions in the region. I think that's one big takeaway for me. The second is on the economic front. I think that one thing about the Trump administration, I think they made quite clear that they were very willing to work with India and other countries in Asia on security issues, but perhaps less so on trade and on the economy front. Whereas, you know, America first was the abiding message. I think that one of the criticisms that I heard often uh, from people, for example, in ASEAN countries was that they found that the Quad was great as far as security matters was concerned. What they really wanted was an economic counterweight to China. A lot of ASEAN countries are very deeply in China's economic orbit, no question about that. But they say that they do want an alternative. 
I think that this is a start. I think that no one's under any illusions about the depth of China's economic presence in the region. But I think that speaking about working together on supply chain resilience, on rare earths, uh, on diversification away from dependence on China. I think these are very good long-term goals. And I think the economic component to the Squad Summit was something that for me was the most significant takeaway. A short observation, a giant on vaccines. It's quite interesting that China announced today that from March 15th onwards, countries, uh, they're likely to welcome uh, countries to send their nationals uh, to travel to China if they are inoculated with Chinese vaccines. This was announced uh, as a start for Hong Kong that people residing in Hong Kong could actually travel to China, which still has in place very strict travel bans, as long as they're inoculated with Chinese vaccines. I think that's something we may see rolled out elsewhere in the region as well, which is a way for China to incentivize, for instance, ASEAN countries uh, that to use Chinese vaccines, and many ASEAN countries are already doing that, uh, to say that if they do use Chinese vaccines, then the nationals can travel to China. So I think that uh, it is going to be a challenge, I think, uh, for this vaccine initiative of the Quad to really uh, make inroads to displace Chinese vaccines. I think insofar as they complement Chinese vaccines in the region, I think it should be welcomed by everyone. I think the supply of vaccines is going to be the most crucial issue that many countries are going to be dealing with in 2021 and 2022. So I think the more there is to go around, that's a great thing. But I think for many of these countries, it'll perhaps be something that's going to be end up being in complement to Chinese vaccines that they're already using, especially in ASEAN. Yeah, it certainly does seem like a very productive uh, discussion, very productive meeting in terms of the announcements, the number of areas of cooperation that were outlined. And um, I have to ask so Asli, what are the challenges um, now in terms of delivery and implementation, if you like, um, you know, in just seeing that these various um, agreements and, and points of cooperation go forward? Sure. The first challenge is quite obviously going to be that uh, when it comes to the COVID-19 vaccine, most of these countries are still dealing with the pandemic, particularly India and the US are actually dealing with the pandemic uh, with rising numbers in different uh, in different areas, uh, and they have now committed to working together to produce these vaccines for the rest of the world. Now, of course, India is at the forefront of the global vaccine effort. India is the world's largest manufacturer of vaccines. Uh, we've already uh, seen about fifty. Uh, 8 million vaccines being distributed to various countries in the world. Uh, some of those have been grants, some of those have been uh, commercial exports. Many of those have actually come from what is called COVAX, the already existing global alliance uh, for distribution of vaccines, particularly in the, in the more developing countries. Um, so the, the challenge is going to be scaling up India's manufacturing. Uh, as I said, one particular uh, laboratory has already been identified. Uh, but to get one billion vaccines produced and then out distributed and then to have set themselves this timeline of, of doing it within the year, that certainly is a challenge. But uh, it, 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 the proof will be, uh, will be known very, very quickly about just how quickly the four countries can work together. As I said, one of the big questions has been, what kind of financing are we going to see? The fact sheet actually lists out some amounts of money being put out by the, the various 
members, including uh, we we do know that there is going to be about uh, I, I think about 77 million is coming uh, from an Australian effort, about 40 million from a Japanese effort, um, and then uh, America will will also be making. Uh, an amount of um, uh, of about uh, 100 million in terms of immunization, uh, uh, but those figures are still much smaller than what will be needed if you do need to put out a billion vaccine doses. So that's your first challenge. The second challenge is for f these four countries that are meeting at the summit level for the first time have so far essentially had conversations to now gel together when it comes to actual discussions. I'll give you a small example. When it comes to vaccines, India is actually fighting a fairly lonely battle. It tied up only with South Africa uh, at the WTO to try and ask for Western countries to waive what are called TRIPS or inter uh, you know, international patents on vaccines so that they could produce them generically uh, for, for uh, distribution around the world. Now, that is something that has become a bit of a fight at the uh, at the WTO. In addition, the US already has laws that prohibit any kind of export of uh, essential ingredients used in these vaccines. So the US will have to waive its own law as well in order to cooperate with India if it is going to be uh, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, for example, that will be produced at Biological E. Um, we also have the next challenge, which is really a wild card, if you like, which is what is the kind of pushback uh, the Quad is going to receive when it comes from China? Uh, right now, China has, has certainly made some negative comments about the Quad, essentially saying, well, we hope this is not a, a containment strategy. Um, but the question is, when it comes to the specifics, not so much on the vaccines, perhaps, but when it comes to the others, the critical technologies, climate change, how much is uh, China going to uh, be willing to uh, uh, either turn a blind eye or to cooperate uh, with any of the efforts in the region? Because many of these efforts will, in fact, uh, be a way of countering China's own uh, initiatives in the region. China has itself uh, distributed a lot of vaccines. It is involved in trying to uh, uh, push its own 5G technology and other uh, uh, other things in the sub supply chain to the very countries that the Quad now says they want to deal with. So I think straight up ahead, you are going to see these three challenges. Um, remember, India has a particular tightrope to walk uh, because it is also a member of other groups like the BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. And India is the chairperson, actually, of the BRICS this year, is supposed to host a summit of all the BRICS leaders later in India this year. The BRICS also, by the way, have a vaccine effort. They have a, a vaccine center program uh, for research and, and, uh, and distribution in South Africa, which all of them are combining on. Uh, so India will have to walk its own tightrope uh, because it is not a part of uh, alliances with the others as uh, US, Japan, and Australia have. Uh, and it is not actually a country that uh, can disconnect itself on the, on the land uh, boundary uh, from China. The other countries essentially have maritime challenges from China. Right. And speaking of China, so Asni, uh, when we discussed um, the, the Quad meeting in our last episode, when we were doing a preview on Thursday, we did speak about the fact that um, though India does have security concerns when it comes to China, it's been very cautious about expressing that in any kind of uh, militaristic language. And we were looking ahead and wondering if um, this this meeting of the Quad leaders uh, might be a step in that direction. As it turns out, there was no cause for concern because uh, the meeting, uh, the discussion seemed to stray 
pretty far from any kind of um, you know any kind of expression on uh, security and um, any kind of statement on it so was that a surprise actually that um, the topics that were discussed and the agreements reached actually didn't mention uh, security in any overt way well uh, the, the truth is that there was very little expectation because we had spoken uh, to officials here officials in washington had been briefing uh, as well uh, that there was very little expectation that there would be an overt militaristic note to this particular summit it was always going to be about what prime minister modi said uh, was the quad becoming a force for good in uh, in the world um so things like vaccines climate change and uh, technologies uh, supply chain resilience were packaged in that format however the uh, the joint statement or what is called the spirit of the quad uh, has certainly got enough language in it that could uh, uh, grow into something much more on the strategic side for example the, the country speak about being unconstrained by coercion clearly that is a reference uh, to the idea that the free open rules based order in the indo pacific as they refer to it is often uh, constrained by china's actions particularly in the Ch- uh, south china sea and the east uh, china sea uh, in fact uh, we saw a specific reference to uh, uh to unclose the un convention on the law of the sea being followed uh, and and a particular clause in there to say that we want to cooperate to meet challenges to the rules based maritime order in the east and south china seas uh, we understand this was put in by japan specifically this is very much part of uh, all statements japan has been making in the last uh, few months particularly uh, and we do understand that uh, that there, there, there these are areas where we could see a greater push uh, so if the quad for example was to go into joint patrolling in uh, these regions uh, in in those areas those would be seen as a as a sort of con- a confrontation area with uh, china but you're quite right right now this is not the main theme if you like of what we saw uh, at the quad meeting on friday if there were discussions on china and we understand that there were serious in-depth discussions on china in the roughly 90 minute meeting they were kept private and officials briefing in fact said that while we did have these conversations these were not part of the public conversation uh, one of the reasons is to stave off this kind of idea that china has been talking about that the quad in some way is an uh, is an anti china or con- china uh, containment initiative or uh, what they call the indo pacific nato those were the words used by the chinese foreign minister uh, wang yi um the second part is that the quad very much uh, depends on its cooperation with the asean countries the 10 nations of southeast asia uh, and those are countries that are so inextricably linked particularly on trade but also on security with china that any kind of uh, very very strong language would also become difficult uh, to deal with uh, with the asean countries as well Uh, so we are seeing a, a certain amount of caution when it comes to using terms over here one of the interesting places uh, jayant you know where uh, there is a, there is a, a strange balance that must be reached uh, is the idea of uh, working on other countries so for example in asean there is myanmar uh, which is going through this uh, situation the the junta there overthrew the elected leadership at the beginning of february Uh, and the international community has expressed various measures of concern 
But while India at the UN Security Council has been working uh, in, 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 in effect closer with China uh, to ensure that the wording on Myanmar is not as strong as perhaps the US uh, and its allies would like, uh, here in the Quad, uh, we also saw a statement of Myanmar coming out. So it's just one more uh, uh, signal, perhaps, of the kind of difficult balances the Quad is going to have to work in order to uh, go forward to bring real cooperation between the four countries. Uh, but I think we are going to see an action pact here when it comes to the Quad. As I said, it's a uh, it's it's a it's a grouping that came together in 2005 after the tsunami in uh, in 2004 and the four countries had cooperated on uh, on HADR as it is known uh, humanitarian assistance and disaster relief uh, so it's been a long time coming to see this kind of a summit uh, come together and then for very concrete proposals on how to cooperate uh, come together and i sense with the idea of another summit within this year uh, we are going to see a lot more action and anant if i could come to you again What's been the reaction from the China side uh, about the meeting? Has there been any statement about either the meeting itself or the joint statement that was released in terms of the areas of cooperation that these countries have outlined? This being the weekend, Jaren, so far there hasn't been a big statement yet uh, reacting to the Quad joint statement from Beijing. But there were two statements from the Chinese foreign ministry uh, in the two days leading up to the summit, and they were both quite interesting. Um, they were reflecting a very consistent message that we've heard from China and from China's foreign minister as well, that they viewed this as, even if they didn't name the Quad, they hit out at what they called uh, countries that build exclusive blocks and countries that, um, you know, quote-unquote, follow selective multilateralism, which is what Foreign Minister Wang Yi said recently at his annual press conference. So I think that that's something you're going to hear more from them. The Chinese state media and Chinese strategy experts have been giving a lot of attention to the Quad meet. Uh, it is going to get a lot of attention next week as well, something I'm sure that we will track. Um, and I think the message seems to be twofold. This is US-led in their view, which actually I think it isn't really the case this is U.S.-led or U.S.-dominated, but the view it's being framed in China as being U.S.-led uh, is something aimed at containing China. But at the same time, I think the experts are very sort of careful to point out that in their view, it would not be possible for the four countries to do that. And I think the point that they've been highlighting is the fact that all four countries have their own different relations with China. Interestingly, in some of the Chinese commentaries, India's independent foreign policy, the fact that it's not a U.S. ally in the sense that Japan and Australia are, is something that's very prominently highlighted in the Chinese media. Um, also, I think the fact that India's problems with China are predominantly on its land boundaries, unlike Japan, of course, which has problems with China and the East China Sea. We should note the Quad Joint Statement specifically mentioned the East China Sea and South China Sea disputes. It did not mention the India-China boundary dispute, which is quite interesting, and the fact that Japan is quite happy to have its dispute with China named in the joint statement, but India has chosen not to. I think that's quite interesting. Um, and I think that the point that the Chinese commentary seem to be making in a nutshell is that at the end of the day, all four of the Quad countries would prioritize their own concerns with China over concerns of the other three. But I think that that isn't to say 
there isn't space for them to work together. I don't think it's anyone's expectation that, uh, including any of the four countries' expectation, that they have to stand together on every single issue when it comes to China. I think this is more about finding shared spaces where they can work together. And I think the takeaways from the Squad Summit are significant in showing those spaces do exist when it comes to technology, when it comes to 5G, perhaps when it comes to rare earths, and now when it comes to vaccines. So I think this is a good start for the four countries. But at the same time, important to keep expectations measured. It isn't to say that this is an alliance that's going to stand together on every single issue. And I don't think uh, that is the expectation of the four countries to begin with. And so, Asni, how much is um, India's own relationship with China at this point a concern? What are the concerns that they are uh, that India is laying out? Well, it, it it comes in two forms, really, Jai. Because on one hand, most believe that India's new push at the Quad, its uh, uh, earlier reluctance from uh, from talking about a Quad summit um, being, you know, something it has put in the past, have come out of the fact of the threat perceptions it feels after this year-long standoff with China at the line of actual control. Uh, so in a sense, the Quad coming together is, is being uh, uh, credited to China's actions, to China's aggressions at the line of actual control. On the other hand, India still needs to walk nimbly, if you like, because it continues to be in negotiations with China. Uh, the Chinese PLA have certainly not uh, withdrawn from the areas that India had hoped they would have uh, by this point, and although there is a phase-wise discussion in progress, uh, it is it is still in its early stages. Uh, while we've seen disengagement in, say, areas like the Pangong Lake, uh, we are yet to see any agreement on disengagement in other areas like Depsang or Demchok, uh, Gogra uh, uh, Hot Springs and all the rest. Um, so India does need to move in both. In fact, uh, just I think uh, uh, an hour before the Quad Summit took place, uh, India and China announced that one of the mechanisms that they uh, that they have their d- uh, diplomacy through the working mechanism for coordination and consultation on uh, on border affairs had just met through the day and decided to hold another border commanders conference. Um, so it, it does show that India needs to to watch out for both. Uh, clearly, what we are also seeing is a certain amount of resolution that India is not going to be pushed back by its concerns over China at the territorial uh, aspect. And, and, and as a result, it is not being pushed back from being part of the Quad. The real question and the real test, Jens, will be when we see the Quad going forward, whether or not we will see militaristic or militarization of the Quad entering the discussion between them. And by that, I mean things like joint patrols or maneuvers uh, in the Indo-Pacific, particularly in the South China Sea, more military exercises, what kind of military exercises that they are willing to do. Um, and, 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 uh, and that's when we will really be able to tell whether the Quad is looking in some way uh, for a more ambitious future, perhaps, than the present. Right. Uh, we'll, end, we'll end this episode here. So, Asni, I'm going to reiterate your analysis that this is going to be an action-packed year, if you like, for the Quad. And there will surely be a lot more that we can discuss in the coming months. And we'll return with this topic then. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you, so Asni and Anand. Thank you, Jen. In Focus, we'll be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. 
In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.